Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. We are talking about why bad things happen to people. Why do bad things happen? And I want to begin again by saying this. The Bible talks about mysteries. And we are not going to understand everything that happens. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children. There are some things we are not going to understand. And, and honestly, I am glad because I think it would be pretty bad if you and I, with our peanut brain, could figure out everything that's going on. And, uh, I read a book recently, and they mentioned in that book that there are 10 times the number of stars that they, that they know in what they, the, the known universe. There are 10 times the number of stars that there are all the grains of sand in all the beaches and all the deserts in the world. 10 times as many stars. How many of you know that a God that can throw that universe into existence and uphold that universe by the word of his power is way beyond our peanut brain? Right? However, we are definitely given some insight into why things happen. So we began looking last week. We started looking at the very simple fact that the devil has come into the world. And the Bible tells us that when the devil came in, sin and death came in. And literally, because, there's an e because of the devil, we have death, we have sin, we have war, we have pestilence, we have prejudice, we have cancer. Every evil thing that you and I can think of came in when Adam and Eve allowed Satan into this world. But I wanted to begin tonight talking about something that a lot of times we probably don't think about. But one of the reasons why things end up happening is because of wrong associations. It's in Proverbs 13, 20. It says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. And again, one paraphrase says their life will begin to unravel, right? Again, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, don't be deceived, bad company. It corrupts good habits, good morals. But our habits the things, the way that we think about money, the way we think about God, prayer, church, risk, morals, values, decision-making, the way we treat other people, they're not random. They are affected by the people that we get around us, by the people that we associate with. Right? And again, the Bible says we hang around with fools, we'll be destroyed. Let me give you a couple of examples from the Bible of things that happened to people because of who they had around them. The first one would be King Saul. God had told Saul, go and destroy the Amalekites, destroy everything. But he kept the best of all of the sheep and all of the oxen. And when Samuel confronted him, he said, well, the people, the people wanted to keep them to sacrifice to the Lord your God. Now, the result of his disobedience was destruction in his family because he lost the kingdom. I think it's interesting that when God wanted to deliver two million Israelites that are living in Egypt, God chose Moses. And Moses was the only person who had not been brought up as a slave. Everybody else of the two million had been brought up as a slave and thought like a slave. 
But when God wanted to deliver the people of Israel, he chose the one person out of two million that thought different, who had been brought up differently and thought differently. Right? Um, King David had a son by the name of Ammon. And he had a sister, half-sister actually. And the Bible tells us that he, he violated her. He tricked her and violated her. Now, the reason he did it, the Bible says, was he had a crafty friend. The Bible calls him crafty. His name was Jonadab. And Jonadab said to him, well, if, if you want to lay your hands on your sister, pretend to be sick, get her to come over, and then attack her, which is what he did. Right? His association with Jonadab gave him a plan. He carried it out. But then Tamar's brother, Absalom, ended up killing him. What happened? A companion of fools was destroyed. Another thing that can bring disaster in our life is simply being out of the will of God. Now, there's a lot of ways to be out of the will of God, and I want to mention a couple of them here, but we can even be geographically out of the will of God. The Bible says that it was springtime, the time when kings go to war. David was supposed to go to war. He stayed home, sent Joab and the army to war. He gets up, the Bible says he gets up from his bed in the afternoon, goes up on the roof. He's bored. He's in bed because he should have been someplace else. He sees Bathsheba, and you know the rest of the story. It's history. Keith Butler pastored a church over in Detroit for years. Uh, most of us referred to him as, as Bishop Keith Butler. I think he's now pastoring in San Antonio, Texas. I, I heard him tell this story. He said he was traveling, and he had a couple of his staff members with him. They got to the airport, and he said, I sensed the Spirit of God say to me, do not get on that plane. Don't get on the plane. And so I said to the guys, he says, I feel like the Lord's telling us, don't get on the plane. One of his staff members stayed with him. The other one said, wow. He said, I want to get home to my wife. And he said, I just think something's not right. Don't get on that plane. He said, oh, that's a bunch of humbug. Got on the plane. The plane crashed and he died. Disobedience. Um, Jeannie and I were, were visiting her parents several years ago. Several. How many years ago? 30, 35 years ago, we were visiting her parents. <laughs> I never thought I'd say that. When you're 20, how many of you think you're never going to say anything like that? All right. But we were visiting her parents, and a friend came over, Sam Redman, and said, hey, some of you have heard this story, but I think it's just a great illustration, and said, I want to take you guys skiing. And, and I just felt like we shouldn't do it. Normally, anything athletic like that, I would have been all over it. But I just felt like we shouldn't do it. And so I said to Sam, the three of us were sitting at the kitchen table, and I said, Sam, no, I just don't think we're going to do it. And Jeannie looked at me and said, last year when we were here, I was pregnant with Samuel, and I didn't get to do anything. She said, can't we please go? And she went like this. And I said, okay. Okay. But, but I, I said yes, but inside I just felt like this is not the right thing to do. And both of us remember that week because I was just a bear all week. <laughs> I'm serious. I was a, how many of you know when you're doing what you know you shouldn't, you, you know, you know you're doing something you're not supposed to do, 
right? And I was just like, I was just, just inside to just turning, you know? Wednesday night, we went to bed. Jeannie had a dream. Now, she did not tell me, right? She dreamed we went skiing. She fell and broke her leg. Thursday night, we go to bed. She has a dream. We go skiing. She falls and breaks her, her leg. Friday night, is this, we got this right? Three nights in a row. Friday night, we go to bed. She dreams. She fall, we go skiing. She falls, breaks her leg. Doesn't tell me. Saturday comes. Sam picks us up. Inside, I mean, I have got, my, my insides are just going crazy. But I had said we'd do it. So we get there. Sam wants to get out of the car. I stop him. I said, we're praying. All right? Listen, I bound the devil. I loosed the angels. I pled the blood. I did everything I knew. I did stuff I didn't even believe in. I mean, I did everything. You understand? I did everything I knew in stuff I'd heard about. All right? We went skiing. Jeannie fell, broke her leg, and was in a cast for a year and a half. Why didn't God protect you? He tried. I'm telling you, He tried. Right? But we were in disobedience. He gave her three dreams. He took my peace away. Right? When we're in disobedience, I, I, thought, I love what it says. It says, he'll give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. You know? When you're doing the things you're supposed to be doing, you're kept. But you get out of that and you're not kept. Prayerlessness. Right? Uh, we try to go it on our own. We don't think we need help. We don't think we need protection. We'll just go it on our own. Of course, it's Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry or fret about anything, but pray about everything. And when we don't, we often miss the blessing, the protection that God has for us. There's a great, great example of this in the book of Joshua. Now, Joshua and the children of Israel are taking possession of the promised land. And God had told them. He said, with any nation far away, he said, you can make a peace treaty. But with all the nations that are close by, don't make any peace treaties with them. They had just gotten victory over Ai, over Jericho. And there's a group of people nearby, the Hittites, the inhabitants of Gibeon. They heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai. And they worked craftily. And they went and pretended to be ambassadors. And they took some old sacks on their donkeys and old wineskins torn and mended. Old and patched sandals on their feet and old garments on themselves. And all the bread of the provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal. And they said to the men of Israel, we have come from a far country. Now, therefore, please make a covenant with us. And the men of Israel, they went and they looked and these guys are saying, look, the bread was hot when we took it out of our ovens and now it's hard and it's moldy and our sandals were new and now they're worn out. And the men of Israel looked at their provisions, but they did not, verse 14 says, take counsel of the Lord. They didn't pray. And what was the result? Well, the, that enemy was literally right on the other side of the mountain, right? But they made a covenant with them, 
and they had to keep that covenant. Prayerlessness. Next thing I wanted to mention was sowing and reaping. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Hosea 8 and 7, they sowed to the wind and they reaped the whirlwind. Jesus told us that that seed produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. You know, you sow a seed and you're going to reap a harvest. But how many of you know the reason farmers sow is because you get back more than you plant? If farmers didn't get back more than they plant, why would they plant? And there is a spiritual law of sowing and reaping. So many examples, but I thought I would just mention two. Jacob. Jacob's brother, older brother Esau, is going to receive the the family blessing. His dad told him, go out. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, by the way. This is what it says. It says, take your bow and arrow, go out in the field, and bring me back some venison. (laughs) Hallelujah. What a great verse. So he goes out and he's hunting, right? But his brother, Jacob, stays home. So Esau's out hunting. And mom says, kill a sheep. They kill the sheep. They fix the food. They put his brother's clothes on him so he smells like an outdoors guy. And Jacob goes in and pretends to be his brother and steals his brother's blessing. He thought he got away with it. His brother's so mad he's going to kill him. So his mom says, well, well, go and stay with my brother in Iran. So he goes, he takes a couple hundred mile journey. And he goes to where his, his mother is from. And he gets there. He falls in love with his, one of his, his relatives. And he says to her father, he said, I would like to marry her. And her dad said, well, if you will work for me for seven years, I will give her to you as a wife. And he says, all right. So he works seven years. And they have a party. And daddy that night pulls a switcheroo. And instead of giving the young daughter that he had fallen in love with, that he had worked seven years to marry, he gave the older, not so attractive daughter. And the Bible says, in the morning, behold, it was Leah. (laughs) And he woke up the next morning, rolled over and went, ah! You know, this is not the one. And father-in-law said, well, it's not our custom to give the younger before the older, so work another seven years, which he did. And the Bible says that Laban changed his wages ten times. Ten times he changed his wages. He sowed to the wind, but he reaped the whirlwind. Now, here's another example. In Genesis chapter 34, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, 12 daughters, excuse me, 12 sons, one daughter. Now, Diana, the daughter of Leah, who she'd born to Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivtite, the prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and violated her. Now, when this happened, her brothers got so mad, they went down and they said to the Hivtites, they said, you know, if you want to, if you want our daughter, 
or, or excuse me, our sister to become your wife, then we need to become one people. And the only way we'll do it is if all of your men are circumcised. You circumcise all your men and then we'll let you marry our daughter. So the prince of the land, he goes out, he gets everybody to get circumcised. And the Bible says on the third day when they were in pain, they f went down to the city and they killed every single man. They killed them all. Almost 500 years pass. As I calculated, it's 497 years pass. We just, we just read about it. The Hivites, they're that, they're that group of people who deceived the Israelites. They dwell in the land, and they come to the Israelites, and they say, look, our sandals were new when we left home. Our bread was fresh. Our clothes were new, and now they're, 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 whole, they're, they're full of holes, and they're worn out. We, we come from a far country because we heard about how glorious your God is and how great a nation you are. And now, please, make a covenant with us. And they do. It took almost 500 years. But the very people, the nation that they had deceived, deceived them. And when we think sometimes you can sow and not reap, but the truth is, it's going to catch you. It's going to catch up with you. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you'll also reap. It's going, to come, it's going to come your way. Another reason why bad things end up happening to us is because we, I'll just call this isolation. Proverbs 18.1, the man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all sound judgment. You've heard me say this, but you and I, we were created for relationship. You were created for community. And whenever we, we, we isolate ourselves, we set ourselves up. I think the classic example of this is Samson. Here's a man that is called of God. He is anointed of God. He's to be the judge of Israel. But yet every single time we find him, he's alone. He's alone. When the Bible says when he was going to get married, they had to go. Well, here it says, and it happened when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. They went and found some people to, to be with him when he's going to get married. If you don't have even one friend to stand up with you, how many of you know you're in trouble? And he was in trouble all the time, isolated, all the time alone. You know, a few years later, we find him. The Bible says he's in Gaza. He goes into a prostitute. Now, if he had had one good friend, one, that guy would have slapped him upside the head and said, what in the world are you doing? Get out of here. Come on. I'm going to get you out of this place. Right? Uh, it says the righteous should choose his friends carefully. Right? The way of the wicked leads them astray. Right? We can have wrong associations, but if we don't have any associations... If we are isolated, we are setting ourselves up for destruction. And that's what happened to Samson. Every time we find him, he's alone. Now, I've mentioned this, this recently, but I'm just going to say it again. We, we all remember David killing Goliath. What a great day. But the Bible says that the Israelites went to, went to battle with the Philistines. And Ishbibinab, the son of the giant, whose spear was like a weaver's beam. 
came upon David and thought to kill him. And the Bible says that David was weary. He was worn out, right? And Ishbiminab would have killed King David, except Abishai came and rescued David. And every one of us have days when we can take care of Goliaths. But every one of us have days when there's an Ishbiminab, and if you are alone, you get killed. Isolation is dangerous. The reason that David survived was because he wasn't isolated. I think it's interesting that when Jesus teaches us, teaches us to pray, he said, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Nine times in five verses, it's us, it's we, it's our. Because Christianity is not supposed to be something that you do alone. It's something you do in community. Right? And, and uh, it's something that in Western Christianity, we have this idea that all Christianity is a, is a relationship with me and God. And there is the, the, the vertical relationship, but there is also to be a horizontal relationship. The first thing that happens when we get saved, the Bible tells us, is that God takes us and baptizes, literally immerses us by the Spirit into the body of Christ. Uh, the next thing I wanted to mention, and this is one that we sometimes don't think about, but it's persecution. The Bible says all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. In Hebrews chapter 10, it said, for you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for ourselves in heaven. He said, now you're, you're joyfully accepting the fact that your goods are being being plundered. They're being taken from you because you're a Christian. In Acts 5, it says, so they departed, departed the presence of the council, rejoicing they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. They had just been whipped, and they're rejoicing because they're suffering for righteousness sake. Now, here's a verse that, that most of us as Christians, we don't, we, we, we just kind of read over this one. Uh, very, very few Christians will you find these verses underlined in their Bible. Now, when you underline it, it's kind of like that's the gospel according to you, okay? But here it goes. For what credit is it if when we're beaten for our faults, we take it patiently? But when you do so and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this, listen, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Literally, what the Bible tells us is that as, notice, to this you were called. Christians are called to do right and to suffer for it. To be ostracized, right? To be passed over, to be ridiculed because we're doing what's right, because we're serving God. Again, Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you, persecute you, say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for say, oh, persecuted they, the prophets who were before you. 
It says about Moses choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people in God of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. I think that in, in, in Western Christianity, we think that there's always something wrong when you're suffering. Right? But the Bible tells us to suffer for righteousness sake, for his name's sake, for the kingdom's sake. Right? We are called to do what's right and to be ostracized, to be persecuted, to suffer for doing those things. All right? 1 Peter 5.10, but may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And again, we suffer for the kingdom's sake, for righteousness' sake, for his namesake. All right? Now, uh, I've been around people that had a suffering theology. If they had the chance to sleep in a tent or sleep at the hotel, they'd sleep in the tent. All right? Because they'd just rather suffer. Well, I don't think that that is what the Bible is teaching us. I think the Bible is teaching us that we do right, right? And because we do right, just like the world did not receive Jesus, the world is not going to receive you. Right? When you stand up for godliness, for righteousness, for the kingdom, for his namesake, you're going to be ostracized. There's going to be suffering. You don't need to look for it. Right? But it will show up. All who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Right? And one last example here. When we refuse to take counsel, it can bring destruction. Where there, are, where there is no counsel, the people fall. In the multitude of counselors, there's safety. So David was king. Solomon was king. And then his son, Rehoboam, was king. And when Rehoboam became king, the people came and they said, will you, will you help us? He says, your father Solomon, he put such a heavy tax and such a heavy burden on us. Will you lighten the load? He sent them away. He said, come back in three days. And he got with his father's counselors and they said, look, if you will honor this people today and be humble before these people today, they'll serve you forever. And then he met with some young men. And they said, well, you just tell them that you, what your, their, your father did, you're going to multiply it. You're going to make it worse and harder on them. And that's what he did. He didn't listen to wise counsel. And the result was the people left. And instead of ending up with 12 tribes, he ended up with two tribes. And 12 tribes broke away and literally uh, never rejoined Israel never rejoined Judah and Benjamin. Right? Why? Because he did not listen to wise counsel. And sometimes we don't listen to wise counsel. And then we're like, why did this happen? Why did this happen? Um, so often I've, I've had people come up and say, why did God do this to me? A woman, uh, not that long ago, came up and said, why did God do this to me? My marriage is falling. Just my marriage is terrible. Things are terrible. And, and I didn't want to say this, but I just said, do you know, do, do you remember? You know, the Bible says don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. But yet you went and married an unbeliever. And now you're wondering why God did this to you. God did not do this to you. Right? The Bible said don't do it. 
Don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. We disobey counsel. We disobey the word. And then we wonder, why did it go bad? Because we disobeyed. We aren't walking in godly wisdom. All right, would you bow your heads for just a moment as we close? You know, the Bible tells us that God sits on high, but that he watches low. He knows every problem, every difficulty, every situation, every addiction, every hurt, every bit of rejection, every bit of sorrow, every bit of pain that you're going through. He knows the battles that are taking place in your life right now. And what he says to you and to me, he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He says, there's rest. There is forgiveness. There's freedom. There is grace, the Bible says, to help for every need, for every need. He has grace for you. He has healing for your soul, freedom from addiction, hope for the future. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. And if you're here today and you're away from the Lord, you're not right with God, and you say, Pastor, I want to get right. I want to come to Jesus today. I need the help. I need healing for my soul. I need hope for my future. I need freedom from addiction. I need forgiveness. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. When I say three, please lift your hand. We're going to pray together, and God will meet you right here in this place tonight. When you lift your hand, first of all, you're saying, I know I'm a sinner, need a Savior, and I'm coming to Jesus today to be forgiven and to be saved. One. Secondly, you're saying, God, today... I'm going to turn my back on my old life and not live for myself any longer. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. Two. Now get ready. When you lift that hand, you're saying, God, today, I'm going to receive Jesus by faith. He's going to come into my heart. He's going to blood wash me from my sin, make me a new person on the inside, a part of your family, on my way to heaven. Three. Lift it up. Say, pray with me. Pray with me. I'm not right. I want to get right. Thank you. I see that hand that hand and that hand are there others say include me thank you god bless you all right now would everybody please stand now if you lifted your hand would you please move to the aisle that's nearest you wherever that is come right down here bring your bring your coat bring the person you brought that brought you or that you came with but please move to the aisle come right down here we're going to pray god is going to meet you right here today we're going to say amen in just a moment. When we say amen, your past is going to be gone. You're going to be right with God. You're going to be on your way to heaven. Awesome. Romans 10, verse 13 says, Whosoever, it's for you, it's for you, it's for you and you, will call on the name of the Lord. We're going to call on his name the way the Bible shows us to. And this is God's promise. We'll be saved. All right. So would you take one hand, put it over your heart. Lift your other hand towards heaven. Let's all pray together. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. I receive him today as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to live for him every day. 
I thank you. You've heard my prayer. That my past is gone. That I am your child on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, this is so important. Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.